this day. Thank the Lord to just be in the Lord's house today. And uh, I ask you to take your Bible. I'm not going to go back over all the introduction verses, but in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, he says in verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, uh, and prepared for every good work. Verse 22, I'm going to read it. I didn't read it this morning. It has nothing to do with this. these other. I'm not going to. The vessels are not here, but it's been my life verse for many years. Verse 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In my ministry, I've went from place to place looking for men of pure heart. There are men that can stand behind a pulpit, dogmatically preach, but their heart's not pure. There are men that populate churches who do not have pure hearts. The instruction is to search out pure hearts. I'm thankful for some pure hearts right here in this congregation tonight. And I pray that every part might be a pure heart. I pray that almost every service, that he would open our hearts and cleanse our hearts and, and then speak to our hearts and make of us in our hearts what we ought to be. For out of the heart is the issues of life. And so, so I, that, that has nothing. This morning we introduced this thought of the vessel there are, there are four, four types of vessels mentioned, wood, earth. You know, that wood vessel or the earth vessel, maybe the Lord put that in there to encourage us. Everybody can't be a gold vessel. Everybody can't be a silver vessel. But it may be that God could use some old earthy vessels. Paul said... Over in 1 Corinthians 6, I believe it is, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And some of us are pretty earthy sometimes. But I found out God can take common old everyday people and make the vessel of honor that he wants them to be. So you remember the little table and all the buckets and the vessel of honor is that vessel that goes to the fountain every day. I just ask you, how long since you've been to the fountain? Is filled regularly. I mean, 
Have you stayed in your book long enough to let God warm your heart, stir your heart, and fill you recently? Have you been on your knees and had a meeting with him that kind of puts the glow on you and allows you to go and do and be what he's calling you to be? I'd say you can't do it without it. You can go through the motions. I was back there in the back a while ago, and I was, we've talked all week about this. I, I might as well just get one more thing said. I've got the last letter that Tom Goodday wrote. And he talks about, uh, the bone density scan and this, that, and the other. And, and he's saying uh, that we finished the printing project in early 2022. But we feel it's time to push the envelope, try to get a load of Bibles into and you just have to read the letter if you want to read all the details. He did that while he was planning to go to the hospital for the last time. I just urge you to get the, get the letter and read it. By the way, we've, we've got uh, a closet full of uh, Urdu New Testaments back here in one of the classrooms. As Sam translated the New Testament into Urdu, it's a Pakistan language. It's much of the India, those, many of those countries use the Urdu. We got a, we got a truckload back there. Miss Crenny said, do what you, whatever you can do with them. So I nailed Nat while he was here. He went back. We counted and looked at him. There's a church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Can anything good come out of Oklahoma? There's a church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. It's the home church for Simon Jacob, who is a Pakistani who's married to a gringo here in the United States. He's sent out of that church as a missionary to Pakistan. And they have agreed that they'll send a, a van and a trailer down. They're going to load up these Urdu Bibles and take them to their church and filter them to uh, box by box to Simon Jacob in Pakistan and others that may need them. That verse says that he, being dead, yet speaketh. Remember when we were boxing them up? Y'all, some of y'all remember? It was urgent. Brother Tom came down, checked us out, made sure we had them labeled right, stuck together right, and put in place. Because one day they were going to go, and they're going. And so thank the Lord. I just praise the Lord. God, 
God's able to use us in spite of ourselves sometimes. And so, so I, uh, this morning we talked about not, I hadn't got to the vessel of honor yet, but we talked about the unfillable vessel and talked about, we made two or three points. We, first of all, we discovered that every one of us who are saved, born again, children of God, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, have a problem, it's called the flesh. And each of us has those two natures that wrestle. You can read Galatians chapter 5 again for yourself or, or, First Corinthians, or Romans chapter 7. 26 years after the Damascus Road experience, Paul said, I want to do, but I don't do. And what I would do... Uh, uh, there's a something in me that comes against me and keeps me. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to free me from this body of flesh? We'd be lying if we did not say that we ever want to have been hindered from doing what we know we ought to do for the Lord by our own self-interests. So, that's about as far as we got. We got the, we got, let's see, I got the, the confidence of the flesh, the commands to the flesh, the craving of the flesh, and the constant struggle with the flesh. That's what we covered this morning. Remember, Lucifer had that problem and was cast out of heaven with that problem. His problem wasn't anything but himself. For most of us, our problem is not anything but ourselves. Satan does have, doesn't have to put many body blocks on us because we've already stubbed our toe on our own without any help. We say things we wish we hadn't have said. We do things we wish we hadn't have done. We don't do what we know we need to do, and we don't say what we know needs to be said because of our flesh. So I want to go to the second step. That's the, that, that was the description of the unfillable vessel. But I want to talk about the power of God that will empty the vessel. Over in Luke, I, I quoted this this morning. I don't think I did it right. Luke chapter 9. Verse number 23 says this, And he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The biggest problem in the verse is denying Himself. Once we have denied Himself, it'll be easy to take up the cross. I want to preach tonight a little bit on, on the denying of ourselves. I call it the constraining of our flesh. If you'll go to 
over to Philippians chapter 3. And verse number, I want to start reading in verse 3. Paul has been talking, if you have to back up and read chapter 2, and uh, he is, he is uh, saying in those chapters that, uh, that he's a Jew who has dealt with the law and knows that there's certain requirements of the law, and he's using that for an example, verse 3. For we are the circumcision. Could I say to us, we are not the circumcision. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But Paul is using this for an example. We are the circumcision uh, Verse 2 points you back over to Galatians chapter 5 and the flesh works. He says in verse 2, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, the division, the, the strife, the, the, those things that come against us in serving the Lord. And you can go back to chapter 5 of Ezekiel and, I mean, of uh, Galatians and see that. We've covered it this morning. But we are the circumcision which worship God. Here's the marks of a believer which worship God in the Spirit. That's number one. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. Number two. And three, have no confidence in the flesh. If you look across America this morning, it's, it looks different. I mean, the, the preacher you know about, the church you hear about, is that church that's a work of the flesh. I mean, it has a... It's not... I mean, there may be some church over there that's worshiping in the Spirit. And that ought to be where we'd look to try to find an incentive, wouldn't you think? But instead, what we look for is buildings and numbers and uh, a a measure of fame in the communities, right? Who, what preacher do you know over there somewhere? Oh, he's somebody with a big name. He may not, he may not, he may never worshiped in the spirit. But there's some guy around somewhere who's humble hearted and broken hearted who dares to worship in the spirit his crowd may be few 
it's not a popular thing. I mean, people, people are not people are not drawn to that. They're drawn to somebody's got a big band and a big orchestra and a and a big crowd, don't you know? But we are, he said, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I, I hesitate to even get into telling this, I, but I was in a meeting several years ago. It was a camp meeting outdoor under a tabernacle camp meeting. That morning we went to the service. My secretary, who was tremendously gifted with music, got up to sing. She didn't normally sing, but that morning she sung, and her daughter, usually she played for her daughters to sing, but that morning her daughter played, and she began to sing about a holy white city coming down. About second verse, there's a guy who was sitting over here jumped up, run off out there in the woods and hooked a pine tree and shouted it out. Come back and sit down. Before she got through singing, he did it again. Came back and sat down. When she got through singing, the morning preacher got up to preach. He read his text. There was a hush on the place. He read his text, and he got down behind the pulpit to pray. He prayed almost an hour. When he got up, he said, I'm done, and he sat down. The rest of the morning, it was like that. There wasn't any program. There wasn't any rhyme or reason. Sometimes you sit there 10 minutes and nobody said anything. All of a sudden, somebody over there has something to say and he, he just stands and says it. My grandson was sitting next to me. He surrendered to preach that morning. No preaching. One of the few times, I'm just describing to you, I can't describe it to you if you weren't there. If you have never been in a meeting like that, I can't tell you how it went. But if you've ever been in one, you'd remember it well. He said, worshiped in the Spirit. You don't need a worship leader when you worship in the Spirit. And could I say this? We talk about the worship hour 
and we talk about a crowd who worships. I doubt if a crowd can worship. Individuals can worship. See, worship is a one-on-one -on -one with you and God. It doesn't matter what they're saying or what they're singing. If you don't get a hold of God, it's, 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 it's nothing. It's when your heart tunes into his heart, that is the worship of the Spirit. As he speaks to you and you respond to him. He said that ought to be the mark of the Christian. In verse 3, we worship God in the Spirit. I wonder if that we includes we. I wonder how many days it does not include me. See, you can't just decide I'm going to worship God in the Spirit. What you can do is wait on God, search for Him, look to Him. And when He breaks that heaven, when He speaks to your heart, then you can worship God in the Spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. And here's where I want us to stop. And have no confidence in the flesh. And I want to, I want to look with you to these, these verses. Paul said, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, verse 4, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and touching the law, a Pharisee. He said, I've got prominence as a Jew. I've got a pedigree as a Pharisee. Some of us say, I've got a pedigree as a Baptist or as an independent Baptist or as a church member or some something. All of that means nothing without the person of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ in our heart. The flesh... I mean, you can join everything. You can sign off on everything. You can be recognized DDTs and LTDs all over your back of your name and still have no spirit worship. So Paul... Paul begins to tell us how to empty our vessel. Luke said, Jesus said in Luke, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Then take up his cross daily and follow me. I'd like to kind of use that for the outline. First of all, here's what he says. 
Verse 7. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. What are you talking about, Paul? I'm talking about being, I'm talking about being the, the star student of Gamaliel's school. I'm talking about being the, the coming uh, candidate for the Sanhedrin court. I'm talking about being zealous in persecuting these Gentile dogs that come against the law. I'm talking about being a Hebrew of the Hebrew and a Pharisee who, hey, that Pharisee had to be uh, versed in the five books of the law. Most of them had it memorized and some of the Psalms and Proverbs. He said, all those things were gained to me. Everybody knew who, who Saul of Tarsus was. He's that he is that, uh, he is so zealous that he murders and puts them in prison and, and shuts down churches and, and, and besides that, look at his, look at his, look at his grades and all of his, all of these stars he's got on his report card down at Pharisee School. If we're not careful, we'll fall into that trap right here. Dr. Bottle Stopper. Paul said, but all those things that were gained for me, it was, it was all flesh work, and I counted it but loss that I might win Christ. So what'd you do, Paul? Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, just garbage, that I may win Christ. He said, he said I, forsook the, I forsook everything I had accomplished and turned my back on it. And my, I gave it all up with one desire. His name is Jesus. Galatians 2.20 ought to hang over this whole section. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The first and foremost, hey, we're coming up on Christmas. I don't want to break your bubble, but it's not Santa Claus and shopping and, and tinsel and it's Jesus. It's a silent night out on the Bethlehem prairie when, when the angels came and said it's good news to every creature. 
This night the Savior is born, Christ Jesus the Lord. The greatest thing that's ever happened to any of us is Jesus. Stop and think. Some of y'all have been saved 40, 50, 30 years, something. Like, where, where would you be without him tonight? Well, you might be eating up with cancer from smoking. You might be a might have had a car wreck with alcohol. You might have been put in prison for who knows what. But here you are on a Sunday night in his house. And I'm saved. I'm saved. I can't get unsaved. I'm saved and headed for heaven. Brother, Brother Bob, when you get our age, you're a lot more thankful to be saved than you when you're that age, right? I mean, it's getting closer every day. And and I just want to live my life for him. I want him to be the centerpiece of our lives. And I know you, he, so he said, he said, I just give it, look at it. I give it all up. I lost, I suffered the loss of all things, count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. I mean, he, he, he is denied, he calls it, constrained his flesh. He's put his flesh on the background. And now he's looking for Jesus. Verse 10 is this. Summation of it all, that I may know him. The person of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Probably we, if probably we all got saved looking for the power, that resurrection power that overcomes death and the judgment after death. Probably that's why we got saved. But on this side of being saved, the greatest moment of our life is when we're in His presence. When we know He's, in, he's, he's with us. His presence, His power, and the fellowship of His suffering, the partnership of, of being, uh, hey, everybody out there may say you're a bunch of nuts. Everybody out there say may just criticize us. But you and I know that we are the children of God. And we have the brightness of an everlasting future with Him. It behooves us to seek His fellowship. 
the fellowship of it and be made conformable. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. That is, the, hey, the other day we had the earth suit of Brother Tom here. He was already in everlasting. He, he was more alive that day than he'd ever been in all of the life that he lived here. He had stepped out of a world life to an everlasting life. Faith had become sight. He wasn't living by faith. He's, now he lives in sight. It's real. Faith is gone now. He's not a faith He's not a faith walker. He's living in the presence of God himself today. If you get our age, Brother Ed, that's the only consolation that lets you sleep good at night. You know, if he takes me, what's the worst thing can happen? He can take me home. I can be with Jesus. That's a wonderful thought. And it's more precious today than it's ever been before in my life. The older you get, the more precious it'll be to you. To know that this life is nothing. But everlasting life with Him is everything. So I got in my outline here, verse 10 said, I just want to know him. Let me ask you a question. I want, you don't have to answer me. I want you to answer the Lord. Do you know him? I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm talking about what God alone can do. Do you know him? Can you say in your heart of hearts, I'm his. I met him on the road to Damascus somewhere, and he saved me that day. Can you say that? Secondly, the power. I preached on the power the other day. When we come to this death day, Paul said over there in, in uh, I believe it's in uh, 1 Timothy 1.12, maybe t 2 Timothy 1.12, one of the two. He said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day, Paul? That day when I'm the one laying here. That day when everybody's saying, poor, poor Wayne, he's gone. Poor Susie, her husband's gone. No, I'm not gone. I, I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Can you say that? Do you know that if this day was your last day, that you're going home to be with him. You ought to really get it settled. 
He spent a whole chapter getting to this point. And then he says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection, look at verse 11, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You ever wondered about that verse? What is it that he apprehended me for? In context, what Paul is saying is he apprehended me for the perfection that is in Christ Jesus that allows me to step into the glory land and shout it out with the saints of old and be there around the throne and worship the Savior with, with the church of God down through the centuries and, and, and the everlasting future to come. Never another tear, never another heartache, never another, uh, hey, it's perfection in Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. And I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So the person, the power, and then you look at this, verse 12. Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. I believe Paul's the one that said, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither did enter the heart of man what God has in store for them that love him. We may have a kind of a grip on that little word apprehended, but we haven't seen the fullness of it. There's no telling what heaven's going to be like. And no telling what it's going to be like to be there with Jesus. Brethren, I count now myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. What are you living for? A while ago I said, do you know him? Most everybody here probably said in their heart, I do. But what are you living for? Is it a job? Is it a house? Is it a car? Is it material things? Is it recognition of others? What are you living for? There's lots of places to lose your focus. Last month, how old is she, Susie? Sylvia? 95, 6, something. My aunt had her 96th birthday. They were planning her, I think it's the 96th, maybe the 95th, I don't know. And my cousin called me and he said, are you going to get to come to Mother's birthday party? I said, I'd, lo I'd love to. I want to, but I just can't come. He said, well, old rooster's here. 
and Freddie's here, and they were looking forward to get to spend some time with you. I remember Freddie setting a state record in the quarter-mile run. We had gravel track that we ran on. As he, as he kicked it in, you know, every race has a start, then there's the race, and then there's the finish. And, and the kick is at the finish. When you give it everything you've got, Freddie was running a, a state record in that race. And as he kicked in, the cramps got him, and he slid across the gravel on that to end of the into the finish of the race. Took all the hide off of him. He he had the state record, but he didn't. He looked like a peeled onion. And Freddie wanted to wanted to rehearse and remember some of that old stuff. And I would have liked to have done that. But think about this. There's a call coming off these pages for us tonight. There's going to be a party in heaven. And the saints of all the ages are going to be there. And Paul and Peter and John and the heroes of faith are all going to be there, and they want to talk with us about a hundred years or more. And we have an invitation. Paul said, this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can you see it? Are you living there? Some of us are so busy with doing this, that, the other that we've left the Savior out of our life. We've got empty vessels that He can't fill because we've filled it up with the junk of this world. Paul said, I'm, a, this, I'm, I'm purging and I'm cleansing and it's all garbage, and I'm turning it over to him. I just, all I want in my vessel is Jesus. And all I'm going to do is pursue after that. Not only his, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize. He's looked for his presence. He's looked for his power. Now he looks for his prize. I don't have time to go everywhere I'd like to. Let's go back over here to Galatians 5 for just a minute. I want to look at a couple of things. We've already looked in Galatians and understand the laws of flesh and spirit. 
And we talked about, just mentioned briefly, the 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 uh, fruit of flesh. The works of the flesh, verse 19, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is a word that means shameless immorality. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variant, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, murders, uh, uh, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. If you, if you want to get another glimpse of it, turn on the 10 o'clock news tonight and you'll see it. They make all kinds of comments, but most of what we see on that news is a product of these things right here. The lusts of the flesh. He said, and he said, They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. I can't, I can't look at you and tell if you've got love, joy, and peace. You can't look at me and see if I've got love, joy, and peace. It's in here. It's in my heart. I either have it in here or I don't have it. Nobody can look at you and say, wow, look at the love, joy, and peace in that guy. They can't see it. They don't know. You can put on a good show and hide it all. It's an inward fruit. And then he says, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. That's that's the outward stuff. Long-suffering. Forbear and forgive, Colossians chapter 3. Everybody here is not perfect. Somebody's going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something that could cause a real uproar. Forbear and forgive. That's the whole counsel of God on it. That's your responsibility in the fruit of love, of long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. It's not about you, it's about others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Y'all got it? And then there's faith, meekness, temperance. Faith, meekness, temperance will never be seen. It's a, one is an inward fruit, one's an outward fruit, one's an upward fruit. Faith, meekness, and temperance is toward the Lord. You're either meek or you're proud. And pride brings destruction. And pride causes stains on the fellowship. And pride wrecks our fellowship with God. 
but meekness when I humble my heart before him. When me and him can get in tune, the upper fruit. Are you there? I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, and we all, if anybody here has those fruits of the Spirit, it ought to be this crowd right here, shouldn't it? This is the seniority group of this church. We don't expect these visitors coming in to exercise those things, but we ought to exercise those things. And as we do, we show our character. Galatians 5, 22, 23 as being spiritual. We show the crucifixion of the flesh in our lives with those fruits of the Spirit. And I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I won't have time to go there, but you could go over to John chapter 15. He said, abide in me. And then he's going to say three things from five down to eight of that chapter. He's going to say three things. He said, if you'll abide in me, you can have fruit. And if you'll abide in me, you can produce much fruit and uh, more fruit and much fruit. But if you don't abide in him, you can't have any fruit at all. And you'll never abide in him till you get your flesh under control. The fruit of the Spirit is only to those who have their... But there's a great reward, and I don't have time to go there. Paul said, I'm, this one thing I do, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How are you serving? What are you doing? He would like to fill your vessel with that fruit. But can he? If you're full of the lust of your flesh, if you're operating in pride, he can't fill your vessel. Right. It'll take an empty vessel. We call it holiness. When he washes us out and cleans us up and gets us ready to fill us. so that we can have fruit. How's your vessel? Are you holding up a... What's, what's the name of that song? Uh, I, thought, I thought about it this afternoon. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's okay. The chorus says, 
Take me, break me, make me, fill me, oh Lord. Something about, anyway, doesn't matter. Are you, are, would you, could you say that? Over the, we've been talking about brokenness down there at the potter's house. He said, I saw the potter do a work on the wheel. And he made a vessel. But it was marred. So he crushed it and made it again as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Can you handle it? Can you say, I'm counting everything garbage but Jesus. And I want to live my life for him. And I want to hold up that vessel he can fill and use. I want to go to the well. I want to go, I want to, I want to be able to get prayers answered. I want, I want to know that I've been with him. I want that fruit of the Spirit in my life. Let's stand. Father, I pray that this has been your message. I pray, God, that you take charge. And Lord, I just ask, I, I pray, Lord, that you preached it to me. And God, I'd want to respond. I want to ask you to help me to get empty so you can fill me. Help me to wait so you can speak. Help me to humble myself so you can be exalted in my life. Help me to live my life for you, Lord. I pray, God, you'd take charge of us. Each, every one, each one here. Please have your way. In Jesus' name I pray.